This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. Welcome on board. I'm Danny Mack, and it's the week one review of the National Football League. These games were exciting yesterday. I'm going to go over each and every one of them. For those of you who were so drunk after the Bears' exciting win over the 49ers yesterday, maybe you missed the nightcap. And I'm not saying drunk literally. I'm saying you were so high on the victory that was unexpected Maybe you didn't have the energy for those afternoon games. Maybe you didn't spend as much time on Twitter or social media afterward and soak up the vibe of everything else that happened in the league. I got you covered today, and I have a a short announcer's notebook, Critics at Extra Large, if you will. There are some announcers who rose to the occasion yesterday, and there are some who are nowhere near midseason form. And one of them is a veteran broadcaster, who I really enjoy. But first things first, congratulations to Bears head coach Matt Eberflus, his staff, his roster. The win over San Francisco, while not artful or pretty, um, pretty much how they're going to have to win games this year. And that's not the ultimate barometer for these Bears. What matters most is the development of the face of the franchise, quarterback Justin Fields. But They won a ball game after not playing well for the first two and a half quarters offensively. They had no points. How many times have you watched the Bears trot off into the locker room for halftime adjustments and there's a goose egg on the board? It happened again yesterday at Soldier Field, and that was even before the skies opened up and the brand-new Bermuda grass, Margot Robbie, Wolf of Wall Street, had become flooded. It hadn't taken yet, so drainage was very difficult, and it was a really, really tough watch. And I'm certain tough to play and coach in as well. That's what happens when you have bad weather and you don't have a dome over you. Everybody's got to deal with that. But the Bears survived, and that's all that matters uh, for the coaches. They want wins. That's what it's about. you got to find a way to muscle out wins and win ugly. And the Bears did a lot of things well defensively yesterday. I'm not going to lie about that. I'm going to give them a ton of credit for answering the bell. And I was rough on third-year corner Jalen Johnson last week because of comments he'd made about being one of the best corners in the NFL, and nobody had recognized him for that. The league knows who I am, but you know I don't get a lot of stats, and that's what people look at. They look at interceptions. He had only one in his first two seasons yesterday, but early in the ball game, he made a difference, and it was the resurrection of the Charles Tillman ball punch that that took it away from the 49ers. I think it was Debo Samuel he got, right? Uh, 
And uh, Bears don't do anything with it, but they take the ball away. And especially when you got a team that is not going to find points easy to come by, you have got to take it away and you have got to minimize the opponent's uh, opportunity to just start racking up points. Because even if it's just Robbie Gold going out there for San Francisco and chipping away and chipping away, they're going to put your team in a hell of a deficit. Ten points for a team like the Bears is a huge deficit to overcome. They were 27th in the league in scoring last year at 18.3 points per game. And it certainly looks from indications, not just yesterday, but when you look at the team they have, they're not going to be scoring much better than that this year. So you got to take the ball away. And he did. Roquan Smith was a factor in the turnovers department. The Bears got a sack from a player nobody had ever heard of. In fact, I I, I can't. I didn't write down his name. I'm trying to get everything from the league in yesterday, and I forgot the name of good old number 91, but I'll have it for you when we get together, when we next chat. I don't edit these things. I don't stop. I, I roll for whether it's going to be 33 minutes or 53 minutes. I stand on the second floor of my house in my little studio and just flap my gums, and that's what I'm doing today. So you you know who they are. You remember the play because there are a lot of guys wearing that Navy jersey yesterday you've not heard of. Maybe in the next few weeks we'll get more familiar with some of these guys, but in the absence of some of the names with which you are familiar, you're Hakeem uh, Hakeem Hicks, um, Khalil Mack had a monster game for the Chargers in his debut yesterday. There's a lot of getting to know you stuff going on with these Bears, but you know Fields, and we're waiting for more games where we can feel better about reaching a conclusion. And yesterday did nothing to get us a a clearer picture of what the Bears have with the uh, former Ohio State star. We, we, We don't really know. It wasn't a good first half, but then when the field became crap later, he took care of the ball most of the day. Real bad first half interception. You saw that. Uh, inexcusable. And uh, you know, my thought was as they went to commercial break right afterward, Moose Johnson in the Fox booth says, I'm not sure what Justin Fields was seeing right there. And I'm thinking, oh, my guy Chris Tannehill, the score, has his first money sound bite for the what the hell are we going to do about Justin Fields or what is Justin Fields uh, montage that will grow throughout the course of the season because progress, even if the kid makes is, is not linear, there are going to be bad days. There are bad days for the good quarterbacks in the NFL, and I can't wait to get to the reigning MVP in a little bit. Joe Burrow yesterday with five turnovers and four picks. They have bad days. And you talk about guys just finding their way. That's that's Fields personified in year number two. So it's not going to be a, a rapid progression into consistent high-rated games. And it's not all on him. It's protection when it breaks down. And it wasn't bad yesterday. I thought it was pretty good, actually. It's when you, you start commenting on, man, they don't really have much here in the wide receiver department and you're waiting for guys to get healthy. And I'm disappointed Valus Jones 
has has not been able to I have some optimism for Valus Jones Jr., the rookie third round pick out of Tennessee. I value the special teams play, especially when you've got a team that is challenged offensively. And that's what the Bears are. They're going to be challenged offensively. So you try to take advantage of everything you can do. Anything that's at your disposal to enhance your chances of winning. The ball punch. Uh, a 48-yard punt return to set up a touchdown on a short field. Those are the things they got to do. And Bayless Jones is going to be able to help them do that a little bit down the road. So victory chicken for all today. Enjoy your fried chicken. Hell, eat the skin today. Bears were six and a half point underdogs yesterday, and they won the ball game 19 to 10. They don't win many of these season openers, whether they're on the road or at home. Bears don't win a lot on opening day. And if you look at history versus San Francisco, it was 20 years ago, uh, 19 years ago, when Cordell Stewart in his Bears debut, the 0-3 season, got pasted by the 49ers at Soldier Field. Final, I want to say, was 49-7, to but San Francisco just cleared the deck of, of any confidence the Bears might have developed in training camp in that opener. That's not the case yesterday, and I thought the best thing the Bears did was minimize the Nick Bosa factor. This is one of the most dominant pass rushers in football. He is relentless. He has multiple moves. He has multiple moves in the same pass rush sequence. You'll see this guy hand fighting, dipping, ducking the five D's a dodgeball, right? Riptorn. He is always doing everything he can with his arms, his legs, his shoulders, his hips to get pressure on the quarterback. And he got a sack yesterday, but he did not have a big day. He did not cause enough disruption. Um, even though the Bears didn't light it up offensively, that was a huge task for the Bears' offensive line, and I thought they answered the bell for the most part. Tevin Jenkins got the hook early, my guy at right guard, number 76. I'm not sure if they just wanted to get a look at Lucas Patrick for a few series who missed almost the entire training camp with a broken thumb. He's the center they brought in from Green Bay via free agency in the offseason. He's probably going to be your center, once he's healthy, at least I hope that's what they're thinking, because I'm encouraged by uh, Jenkins at right guard. Let's go to the opposition. And again, Adolfo the Chapeau, Bears fans, Bears coaches, Bears players, Bears alumni. Good job. You won the game. Congratulations. Kyle Shanahan contributed to it very largely. Enormous, enormous respect for Kyle Shanahan for what he's done with the 49ers and his NFL resume. He is a very qualified head coach. He's taken his team to a Super Bowl. And when he did that, he was smart enough to recognize the talent levels of his players and what he should or should not call. He would adjust them week to week based on the strengths of the defense he was playing. And it sounds so simple, but how often did we say uh, during the four years of Matt Nagy, why isn't he running the offense based on the talents of his team? Shanahan was smart enough to see Jimmy Garoppolo can get you beat. Jimmy Garoppolo can throw bad picks. Despite what we paid for this guy, he is capable of destroying us in three or four series when it doesn't go his way. So they took the ball out of his hands in the postseason. They had him post Bob Greasy-like numbers, and they got to a Super Bowl doing so. Having said that, his decision not to overturn, not overturn, but sort of 
Put to the side, the players vote on who their team captain was going to be. They voted six of them. Trey Lance, the starting quarterback in year number two, was not among them. That's asinine. You don't send your quarterback on the field without the C on the jersey. The players voted. They didn't vote him in. You get together with your assistant coach and say, we want to put some confidence in this kid's head. Lance had to listen to criticism all damn summer about how the 49ers are really screwing the pooch on this thing. Garoppolo's you know, not going to make anyone forget Joe Montana in San Francisco. But he has experience. He, he's looked like he belongs on the field. The dude has got a resume that includes some 300-yard, four-touchdown games. He is not a chotch. He's not a guy who you say, oh, my God, if only we had. He's not one of the best five. He's not one of the best top ten. But what Jimmy Garoppolo is is experienced. Trey Lance is not. He doesn't have the confidence. When he had a few chances last year, he sucked. And he's named quarterback, starting quarterback, pretty early. Everybody thinks, okay, Garoppolo's going to wear the baseball cap. So you put the C on his jersey. You don't make him going out there feeling any less confident than he already does. And if the player, have, if your captains come in and say, hey, coach, what, you know, we, we, we've been talking about this. I, how is how is Trey, he didn't get enough votes. We're not, and what the coach says, Kyle says, you know what? Thank you very much, Fred Warner. We also have a vote. We vote in this office as well. We have 15 assistants and I have a vote. And it was across, it was unanimous. Your quarterback gets to be a captain. There are 32 starting quarterbacks in the world. 32 of them. And anybody who has earned that start, I don't care how deep you are on the depth chart. He should be the captain for that game. And for for his egregious mistake of not sending his second-year player out there with more confidence than that, I I think that is absolutely ridiculous. Just uh, unacceptable. Again, respect his career. Terrible decision. Not a good start for the 49ers, losing 19-10 to to the Bears in a game played on a horrible field. And, man, what I, what I would have done to just park that game and watch it later because of the drama that happened in the Bengals and Steelers in Cincinnati was thick. Fortunately, we had the extra session. I didn't get enough time with uh, Steelers and Bengals. I'm going to get to that in a little bit, but uh, there's a divisional game much more important to a high percentage of you who listen to my podcast, and that is Vikings over the Packers yesterday. 23-7, the final score. Long-ass day for Aaron Rodgers. A good day for people who have a hobby, have added to their list of hobbies, hating Aaron Rodgers or rooting against Aaron Rodgers. That's probably a better way of saying it. Rodgers was spilled early and often yesterday, never got a chance to to get that offense going. 22 out of of 34, no touchdowns, one interception, 195 yards, sacked several times, hit, knocked down, chased around all day. We heard all this talk in the offseason from Green Bay enthusiasts. Hey, you know what? If Rodgers and the offense ain't that good that this year because Devontae Adams is a Raider, 
we're going to be okay because our defense is going to be better than ever. For the first time, we're going to have a defense like they've had in Chicago. We're going to have a really good, aggressive defense. We're going to take the ball away. We're going to be special on defense. Don't worry about Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers wasn't the only thing that was ineffective yesterday for Matt LaFleur's team. Their defense didn't get enough pressure on Kirk Cousins. He did not throw an interception. And if you're going to be among the best defenses in the NFL, here's a good idea. Cover the best receivers on the other team. Justin Jefferson is not a secret anymore. He got off yesterday. He had more than 100 yards in the first half. Cover him. That would be beneficial. And backing up a tick, David Bakhtiari. I forgot to mention Bakhtiari, one of the best offensive tackles in the game today, did not play for Green Bay. But that that still is no excuse. The Aaron Jones factor, no running game for the Packers. It was, it was all Vikings, and I give them enormous credit, but they did something late in the ballgame that drives me crazy. Uh, no investment in Minnesota, emotionally, financially. Don't care who wins that game. But when you're protecting a two-score lead and there's seven minutes left on the clock in the fourth quarter, what do you do? You run the football. Not the Vikings yesterday. They wanted to throw it. And that stops the clock, in case you didn't know. Kirk Cousins not getting the chains moved a couple times, giving the Packers additional opportunities. I know Aaron Rodgers has been bad all day. They haven't protected him. They haven't gotten anything going, but he's still effing Aaron Rodgers. Run the ball, grind out the clock, salt away the victory. And uh, if the Vikings... Paid attention. If they're looking when they sit there and watch the film this morning, they're going to say, you know, we got to run the football here. We got to, we got to just let this thing tick down and uh, and get off the field. For Kirk Cousins bashers, here's a nugget for you. In his career, he's now five and four against Aaron Rodgers. Just a little something. We say he doesn't win the big games. Those are divisional games. Those are games against a Hall of Fame bound quarterback. He's won more than he's lost. He's not as bad as people think he is. Buccaneers last night beat the Cowboys 19-3. to Dak Prescott leaves in the fourth quarter. He has a busted thumb. It's going to require surgery. Hurt his hand on, uh, on a pass rush from Shaquille Barrett. Uh, didn't hit the helmet, kind of hand-to-hand as he was following through. He leaves in the fourth quarter. In comes Cooper Rush who was able to do exactly what Dak Prescott did. Nothing. He did the same thing. And he's their guy now for the next several months, probably, after a surgery on the hand. And I got quite the kick out of the Dallas training staff. The Dallas uh, doctors looking at the hand. The doctor's in a cowboy hat. Jerry, here's a thought. Um, (laughs) Jerry Jones. You got to find a better backup for Prescott. He's often hurt. You, You should know that by now. It's hurt you before. Enter Andy Dalton uh, a couple of years ago. And you got to find a doctor who doesn't wear a cowboy hat on the sidelines. That would be my wish for you. No Prescott, no Cowboys. They're now playing uphill. And Ezekiel Elliott, not a factor last night as well. Brady, very pedestrian for um, the Buccaneers. He threw for 200 yards, a touchdown and an interception. Nothing exceptional for Tom Brady, but he missed a lot of training camp. He's playing without 
his center, Jensen, for the year. By the way, uh, E1, if you're scoring at home, Chet Kopic, I said Tristan Wirfs in a podcast or two ago, and a terrestrial show, a show or two ago, is out for the year. That is not true. Tristan Wirfs is healthy. He has been hurt in in camp, but he he played last night. And uh, Buccaneers were not great by any stretch on on offense, but defensively there was nothing Dallas could do in three-plus quarters with their number one quarterback. So a nice win for the Buccaneers, and the Cowboys have the uphill battle in the NFC East where all three other teams were winners yesterday. Yesterday afternoon in the second set, and then I'll get to to more on Pittsburgh's win over the Bengals. Chargers 24, Raiders 19. Khalil Mack gets the game ball. Three sacks of Derek Carr, a forced fumble. If you missed comments made by Mack last week, they're they're worth a rerun when he's talked. They talked to him about playing his first team, the Raiders, who drafted him, and how excited he was to get after Derek Carr, and you know. People make the assumption maybe they didn't get along. Khalil Mack's kind of a surly guy, and Mack says he's my brother. I had nothing but respect for for Derek Carr, and all he did was read the quotes. I did not see the interview when he was here for four years. Mack was not a very good interview. He's he's not gregarious at all. He kind of talks under him his breath. You could tell it's not something that's comfortable for him. And he didn't participate very often. And But you just read the words. You don't hear him saying it seemingly detached and unemotional. And it's a damn good quote. He was my brother. I want to put him on his back and then shake his hand after the game. He was a terrific leader. Nothing but high hopes and, and well wishes, paraphrasing, for Derek Carr. And then he finished it by saying, all of the guys I didn't like are gone. Oh, is that an awesome way to tag that? All the guys I didn't like are gone. Thumbs up to the Chargers. Easy winners yesterday, even though the score didn't dict- indicate that. 24 to 19 over the Raiders. Derek Carr, eh, eh. Justin Herbert's the story there. This guy's going to be so good. He already is amazing. 26 out of 34 for 279 yards. He was not intercepted. He threw three touchdown passes. In his Raiders debut, Devontae Adams, 10 catches, 141 yards, and a touchdown. Game of the day. Steelers 23, Bengals 20. Joe Burrow, four interceptions, also lost a fumble. 33 out of 53 for 338 yards. He did throw two touchdown passes. Jamar Chase, one of the best young receivers in the NFL, 10 catches, 129 yards, and a touchdown. Mitch Trubisky on the other side did not make many mistakes. He was very Mitchian with his 194 passing yards and one touchdown, but he didn't give it away. And even when the Steelers not lost Najee Harris late in the game, they managed to find a way to grind this out. Yes, they had some help. Zach Taylor, the Bengals coach, is going to be barbecued all week in the Queen City for for the, the challenge, uh, the non-challenge on what might have been a touchdown. Don't know what they were looking at there. And more on challenges and looking at feet near pylons and near sidelines in a minute, in a couple minutes when I get to announcer's notebook. But special teams, more than anything, are the story in this game today. What you don't see most of the time are highlights about bad snaps. And 
the looks on the faces of third-string snappers, a guy who's a third-string tight end, number 80, 84, Mitchell Wilcox, who couldn't get the seven-yard PAT snap to the holder for an always consistent Evan McPherson. McPherson gets the Bengals back in this thing with a long field goal right before the first half wraps up. And then they have an injury to their long snapper. So you get a high snap and you miss a 29-yard field goal. McPherson duck hooks horribly that would have won the game. You get the heroics of Steelers DB Minka Fitzpatrick who blocked what would have been or deflected. It wasn't a clean double thud, but he he misdirects the ball, redirects the ball, and uh, that was a game-winning PAT. And they missed it. Bad kicks, bad snaps, not protecting on PAT. Nice job, Fitzpatrick. You get a game ball for that. But uh, McPherson, one of those guys you trust up to 60 yards, and there's a bunch of them in the NFL this year. Look at the AFC North. You've got three guys. They're coaches. And, oh, it's 58 yards. Uh, go ahead, Justin Tucker. Go kick that. Uh, McPherson's another one. Chris Boswell of the Steelers is another one. And he ultimately gets the game winner for the Steelers yesterday. Terrible news for Pittsburgh enthusiasts. T.J. Watt likely gone for the year with a torn pectoral muscle in the fourth quarter. Cameron Hayward is very, very good. Fitzpatrick's a big-time player, but without Watt, that is a very, very difficult, I I think an insurmountable task for the Pittsburgh defense. It's not like they're going to put a ton of points on the board this year. Very reminiscent to me of when the Bears lost Brian Urlacher opening day of the 0-9 season in Green Bay on Sunday night when he broke his wrist. I, I said the next morning, Season's over. Their defense can't play without him. And Danny Downer, come on, it's one loss. Yeah, it's it's. You tell me who's going to stop the run? That ultimately became the parody song we did. Who'll stop the run instead of who'll stop the rain? By Creedence Clearwater Revival. Cedric Benson had a career high uh, day against the Bears. They couldn't stop Frank Gore. They couldn't stop anybody that year because their best player wasn't there, and they lost their will. In the process, that's likely going to be the outcome for the Steelers. Hate to tell you, Chiefs forty-four, Cardinals twenty-one. Uh, Chiefs going to be okay without Tyreek Hill, you know, without Byron Pringle. You know, Patrick Mahomes didn't seem too phased by it yesterday. He throws for uh, what three hundred and sixty yards, five touchdowns. Did not throw an interception. Uh, America meet Isaiah Pacheco. 12 catches, 62 yards, and a touchdown. Tough day for the Cardinals. After the game, head coach Cliff Kingsbury lets America know his team needs better practice habits. Gotcha. I'm going to write that down. Give me a pen. Browns 26, Panthers 24. Cade York, a 58-yard walk-off field goal to win the game. Add him to the list of guys who can go from a long distance. Baker Mayfield against his old team, not terrible, not great. He threw a touchdown pass. He threw an interception, 16 of 27 for 235. Christian McCaffrey didn't get off in this game. Uh, He didn't play much of a role as a receiver and only had 10 carries, 33 yards, and a touchdown. On the ground, the story was Nick Chubb of Cleveland 
22 carries, 141 yards. Jacoby Brissett, very workmanlike win. This is what you want a game manager to do, what Brissett did for Cleveland yesterday. And I'm happy for Kevin Stefanski, whose organization decided to guarantee Deshaun Watson $230 million. And and he was on board with the departure of, of Baker Mayfield. But he goes through these first 11 weeks now with Brissett at his guy, and that's quite a challenge. Yes, he has a good running game, and he called a good game yesterday. Take the ball, not take it out of his hands. The dude Brissett threw 34 passes, but make sure you get the running game going, and that's something Cleveland's capable of doing. Stefanski, for my mind, he's a good football mind. And he has got a task I don't know any other coach in the league has in that he has to consult with a statistician for his game plan. The Browns are buying into saber metrics, or as the late Les Grobstein used to say, cyber metrics. They hired Paul D. Podesta a couple of years ago. D. Podesta was Billy Bean's front off, uh, right-hand man in the front office of the Oakland A's. If you saw Moneyball... Brad Pitt is Billy Bean. You know, Jonah Hill was, was playing the role of Paul D. Podesta, and uh, that's been my punchline since the Browns hired him is they've, they've taken the game plans and they've taken all the important decisions, not away from the head coach, Stefanski, but they make him consult with Jonah Hill. It's funnier if it's more organic. Eagles over the Lions, 38-35. Decent game for Jalen Hurts, though not overwhelmingly dramatic as a passer. 80.6 rating. He did not throw any interceptions. Where he did his most damage, his biggest damage, was as a running back. He carried 17 times yesterday, not all of them by design, but he he, he muscled out a, a team-high 90 yards rushing. Uh, I'm sorry, Sanders had a few more yards than that, even though he didn't break 100. He had 17 carries, 90 yards, and a touchdown. Didn't turn it over. That's that's the big key. Good start to the season for DeAndre Swift of the of the Lions, who did not have a very good August. And when I say that, I mean he didn't look very impressive on HBO's Hard Knocks. Uh, he rushed for 144 yards and a touchdown, a 9.6 average per carry. That's collegiate. There was a lot about this game that was collegiate. Uh, an average of almost 10 yards per rush for the running back of the Lions, a quarterback on the Eagles who carries 17 times for 90 yards and a touchdown. Very, very collegian for this game, but nobody cares when you when you score points, and both teams did. That's a good thing. Philly with no turnovers, good protection. Uh, Hertz is elusive. He's strong. Not as elusive as you'd like him to be, but he's very strong, hard to bring down. And uh, the Big Ten player of the year last year, Aiden Hutchinson, was a rumor for the Lions. He did have a good hard knocks and uh, only had one tackle yesterday. He did not record a sack. So we'll see if the Lions can can pull back from this. A.J. Brown, huge debut game for Philadelphia. Ten catches, 155 yards, no touchdowns. He was targeted 13 times. He's a big man, and I expect him to have a big season for the team I've picked to win the NFC East, the Philadelphia Eagles. Dolphins 20, Patriots 17 yesterday. Tua Tagliavaiola targets Tyreek Hill 
12 times, eight catches, 94 yards. Jalen Waddell in a reduced row, targeted four times, four catches, 69 yards. The Dolphins' offense clicked. They didn't give it away, but more than anything, the Patriots appear to be in free fall. And you have to be, if you haven't sold your Bill Belichick stock yet, the the price keeps coming down, so you may want to sell it now. I don't suspect Belichick, the greatest coach in, in NFL history, maybe in sports history, never will take another confetti shower. Ravens over the Jets yesterday, 24 to 9. Lamar Jackson, who recently thumbed his nose at a contract offer that would have paid him a guaranteed $133 million, threw for three touchdown passes, a rating of 70 or 98.4. He carried the ball fewer times, which is a good recipe for Baltimore to not get his ass killed. But who's going to be the Ravens running back this year? Their trainer's room is always stuffed with running backs. Gus Edwards hurt again. Dobbins gone again. Kenyon Drake? Mike Davis? Not so hot, but the Ravens survive, unchallenged by the impotent Jets. Ravens 24, Jets 9. Uh, Who cares department? Joe Flacco threw a league-high 59 passes yesterday against his old team. Flacco was 37 of 59 for 307, 1-1. Commanders over the Jaguars, 28 to 22. Carson Wentz, eh, kind of... Kind of a decent start. He was picked off a couple of times, but they, I was, you know, I know Ron Rivera would like to throw the ball fewer than 50, uh, 41 times. That's how many times Wentz attempted to pass yesterday. But he doesn't really have the running backs to do that. I, I'm not a big Antonio Gibson guy, and I'm even less impressed with JD McKissick. I think they're both change of pace backs, but Rivera doesn't have the luxury of doing anything differently right now. They're a little bit hamstrung there until a few younger players uh, can develop. But the Commanders muscle out that 28-22 win over the Jaguars. I I didn't watch and listen. I had the game on for a little bit, but I never listened. And Robert Smith uh, was one of the analysts in that game. And I'm eager to hear him. I always liked Robert Smith when he was a player. He's a very, very well-spoken, well-read guy. He he left the NFL early because he wanted to be a doctor. I've interviewed Robert Smith, got to number 26 a couple times, always enjoyed his company. All that matters for Jacksonville this year, Jacksonville, is Trevor Lawrence development. That's 90% of, of why you would want me to talk about the Jaguars if you ever did. Uh, 21 of 42 yesterday, 275, one and one. Nothing that uh, that gives you any reason to uh, have a conclusion. Uh, Texans and Colts went overtime and uh, did not settle the issue. Twenty to twenty is is your final there. <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't know what much more to say uh, about this game, and I did watch some of it. I did listen to to some of it, but it's uh, it's an uninspiring division the AFC South and Lovey Smith taking the headset this year for the first time in Houston had the thing won. his team was trailing 20 to three in the second half and they couldn't, they couldn't move the chains. That's not a very exciting offense led by Davis mills. And that thing is, uh, is unsettled after 70 minutes Colts and Texans settle for a tie. 
One of the more interesting games of the day, and I should have gotten to this earlier, but I know you're with me from uh, from pillar to post, from start to finish. Giants over the Titans, 20, uh, 21 to 20. This is the worst close of the day in the NFL, Tennessee Titans. They blew a 13 to nothing lead at home against a team for which nobody has any high regard. Nobody's going to ever say, oh, my God, they got to defend Daniel Jones this week. What's, watch out. Ryan Dable, the head coach of the Giants, did something I wouldn't have done, but he won the game as a result of it. I would have I been content to go to overtime at 20 to 20, but when the Giants scored to cut the deficit to 20, uh, 20 to 19, they go for two instead of kicking the PAT. A lot of you agree with that. There used to be a credo, and I think a lot of people still subscribe to it. When you're on the road, you go for two. You finish it right then and there. I'll live to fight another day in overtime, especially since they finally have righted those the terrible overtime rules where you could not even get an opportunity to touch the ball. You're going to get the ball. Saquon Barkley gets the shuffle pass or the shovel pass or the little pitch patio if you want to call it that. He breaks two tackles. He crosses the plane, 21-20. Ryan Dable wins in his debut as head coach, and Barkley had a monster game, 18 carries for 164 yards and a touchdown. He also caught six passes. Saquon Barkley looks better than he has in years. I watched enough of that game to have an educated opinion on what he looks like, and he is strong right now. He looked very much like the guy we thought he was going to be. Why I'm so down on Tennessee for the loss is not the 100 bucks I lost, 110 with the juice. They didn't have the ability to salt away a victory with Derrick Henry in the backfield. How does that happen? How do you not protect a one-score lead with six or seven minutes to go and give the ball to your what 200 and what 50 pound beast who has the ability to get his shoulders under the pads of would be tacklers and knock them backwards instead they 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 threw one pass when they didn't need to i think it was a second and 8 when when they passed the ball it was an incompletion a stoppage of the clock but the titans also didn't run forward when you have a good offensive line and a bell cow running back and you are trying to grind out the victory, first and 10, I'm calling a straight-ahead run. I don't want my running back to step laterally. I don't want my offensive linemen to zone block. I want them to fire out, keep a low pad level, and drive their legs into the defenders, and I don't care if I only get three yards on first down. I'm in second and seven, and I have just eaten up 40 seconds of six minutes. That is huge. Didn't close the game. Terrible loss for Tennessee. Had an opportunity to take advantage of uh, the divisional favorite, Indianapolis, which was plus 125 at Bet Rivers, settling for a tie. Titans, and they have no idea of knowing that at the time, but it's just a terrible, terrible wasted opportunity for the Titans. Saints over the Falcons, 27-26. Real nice day for Jameis Winston. 
Michael Thomas is still in the NFL. For those of you who didn't know, fantasy football players, uh, seeing his name trickle down to the eighth or ninth round this year. That guy was one of the best players at his position in the game a few years ago, but he's back yesterday. Real nice game for Jameis Winston in the debut of Dennis Allen as the head coach of the uh, Saints. Will Lutz, a game-winning field goal of 51 yards. Man, it's it's a good time for kickers, except for pe- points after. They're struggling with PATs, but you got 10 guys who can kick the ball 55 yards without even you know batting an eye at it, unless it's a real windy day in an outdoor stadium. Will Lutz has been pretty consistent. Um, but uh, nice game, by the way, for Jarvis Landry in his, uh, his debut there. He was uh, targeted more than any other receiver on his team. Seven catches for 114 yards. Saints get production from Thomas and from Jarvis Landry. Maybe they're a little better than we thought they would be. No one's going to care about Atlanta outside of uh, Georgia this year, likely. Uh, And there are a lot of people in Georgia who don't give a damn. Corderell Patterson, one of the most unsung players in the NFL, Carried the ball 22 times for 120 yards and a touchdown. He also caught three passes. He is he is one of the best football players. He's not a star, but he plays many positions. He's a great goal linebacker, even when he was wearing 84. I don't know what they've got him in in Atlanta or what. He probably a single digit. Like I don't know who's playing defensive end or who's a wide receiver these days with the way the numbers are going. Kids today, right? Get off my lawn. Not complaining, just an observation. Patterson, when he was with the Bears, was a fantastic special teams guy. He's a really smart, good football player, and Atlanta uh, doesn't have a whole lot else. So if you like guys like Cordero Patterson, uh, sit your ass in front of a Falcons game this year. I've got to get to some broadcaster notes. Uh, I I was delighted that I didn't spend one minute with Jim Nance and Tony Romo yesterday. They did the Kansas City Arizona game. I was listening to the Fox crew of uh, Kevin Burkhead and Greg Olson. I have high expectations for Olson. I think he has started his broadcast career uh, real solidly. There's good potential there. He's he's more honest than many of them. He's not going to rip guys a new one, um, you know, incessantly like we do in sports yak, but he'll tell you when somebody screwed up. And uh, I, I think that's a real... Real good broadcast team. Kevin Harlan and Trent Green did the Chargers and Raiders. Thumbs up to them both. Um, that's a seasoned veteran partnership. You expect them to be good. And I think I, I've always liked Kevin Harlan provided I bet on the team that just scored when he's calling a game because his excitement level for both teams, this guy lives for touchdowns and three-point baskets in uh, college and pro basketball. He is a very excitable man. And I know Kevin a little bit, so granted, a little bit biased. But Trent Green, not not a household name by any stretch as a quarterback, but I think he provides a very solid analysis of what defenses are doing to stop offenses. Don't always get that from the highly paid Romo. He'd rather talk about uh, career legacies during the last two minutes of a game than tell me why a play was stopped. In the Bears' win over the 49ers, This is why you watch pro football is to learn things. Moose Johnson, let me know this. 
the reason you want your offense to convert on third down and keep moving the chains and building some time of possession is you don't want your defense on the field all day. Give me that pen again. Ian Eagle and Charles Davis did the Steelers exciting game over the win over the Bengals. You, you couldn't help but give the broadcast crew a high grade yesterday because the game was a high grade. There was a ton of drama. There was a ton of uh, unexpected, you know, thrill rides. You don't expect Joe Burrow to throw four picks and also lose a fumble. T.J. Watt goes out with a torn peck in the fourth quarter. There's a third-string long snap. The game set itself up for for good broadcasting. But I, I would want to know if Ian Eagle has been provided with a monitor in the broadcast booth. Why it took a couple of occasions, not a first replay, but a second replay for him to see something most of us saw at home. Makes no sense to me. It just It's not the possession. He never got his left foot down. I'm not talking about the Jamar Chase touchdown uh, review, non-review, why people are screaming in Cincinnati today. There was another touchdown or would-be touchdown where Ian Eagle and Davis are discussing whether he had possession. When I saw it live speed, I saw he only got one foot down. I know announcers have a lot on their plate. I understand that. But the monitor, especially upon first replay, should give you an indication of what you're looking at. And lastly, tough day to do a broadcast at Soldier Field, uh, but I want to let the people at Fox know lens wipes are very inexpensive. When it's raining uh, and the camera for the wide shot, the, the, the big back where you see both teams, it's usually right around midfield. Uh, mid deck in the uh, in the ballpark, so you can see all twenty two players. The wide shot that camera is going to get wet, and you need to wipe off the lens, or or somebody can tell the technical director, let's lay off of camera X, whatever number it is, camera one, camera ten. Let's let's leave camera ten alone until we can get the goddamn thing wiped off, shall we? Is that too hard to ask? The entire fourth quarter yesterday, every time they went to a wide shot, I thought I was, you know, where's my windshield wipers here? Clean the camera, all right? Wipe the camera off so we can see the game. And Bears fans can enjoy their 19-10 to 10 victory over the San Francisco 49ers. That's my week one notebook. Hope you liked it. Hope you'll tell people about the Danny Mac podcast. I do it twice a week. Typically, we are going to get it dropped a little bit earlier than this on Mondays, uh, and we will come back at you again on Thursday, Friday at the latest in most weeks for week number two, where we'll look ahead at the upcoming games, talk about the NFL stories of the week and all the things you, you want to hear me talk about. Please tell people they can find this podcast wherever they get their podcast, whether it's on YouTube uh, Apple doesn't matter. Just, just please, please listen to it. Please subscribe to it. And those of you who've been with me for several weeks now, thank you for your loyalty and please, please share. Uh, that'd be awesome. Um, thank you to, uh, Adam Delibit, who is the big guru at, uh, at bet rivers 
And my producer, Sam Michael, my personal assistant, my partner in crime, Samala, the Highland Trojan. I'm Dan McNeil, back again at the end of the week, Thursday-ish, Friday-ish, for lots more on the greatest game ever invented. Enjoy Russell Wilson and the Broncos tonight as they go to the Pacific Northwest for what should be a very entertaining football game. Have a good week, everybody.